This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, all. Welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, great study guide, great refresher, uh, great preparation if you're taking pharmacology classes or board exams uh, for any healthcare professional. So get that absolutely for free. Uh, simply an email will get you that um, for subscribing to the podcast. We let you know when we've got new content, new episodes available. And obviously we'll get that uh, top 200 study guide out to you as well. So again, go check that out, reallifepharmacology.com. The drug of the day today is lorazodone. Brand name of this medication is Latuda. This medication is uh, an antipsychotic, and more specifically, it's a second generation antipsychotic. Mechanistically, how this drug primarily works, uh, and most antipsychotics work, is they antagonize the D2 receptors or dopamine 2 receptors. And if you remember the yin and the yang between, um, you know, induced uh, movement disorders, so things like Parkinson's disease, that's generally caused by a deficiency of dopamine. So we supplement with dopamine to treat that. So on the flip side, you can imagine antipsychotics, they block dopamine. They can cause Parkinson's-like symptoms, which often we refer to as extrapyramidal symptoms, which I'll get to a little more in depth in the adverse effect profile. But that's one of the major ways that I remember mechanistically uh, how this works. If you have too much dopamine action in the brain, it can lead to psychotic symptoms. If you have too little dopamine action in certain parts of the brain, it can lead to uh, movement disorders and things of that nature. Uh, in addition to the D2 blocking action, uh, it's also got some serotonergic antagonist activity as well as some partial agonist serotonin activity, and that's 5-HT1A. That's the serotonin receptor, 5-HT1A, uh, that is primarily impacted as uh, the partial agonist activity. Uh, uses of this medication. Uh, understanding that the medication is classified as a second-generation antipsychotic, we can uh, deduce that it's going to likely be used for schizophrenia, and indeed, lorazodone can be used for that. In practice, I have seen it used for bipolar major depression as well. That's probably the other uh, most common thing I've seen this medication used for. Uh, dosing of the medication. Uh, in practice, most patients I'm probably seeing between 40 to 80 milligrams, maybe up to 80 milligrams per day. Uh, in schizophrenia, according to the package insert, you can go up to 120, even 160 uh, as the maximum dose there. 
Um, keep in mind if patients have a significant hepatic impairment or significant uh, renal impairment, uh, that can impact the, the max dose. And usually that's going to be uh, 40 to 80 milligrams uh, is the max dose if patients have uh, renal and or liver impairment. So definitely look that up if you aren't sure on that or if you know your patient uh, has those issues and you're wondering about how high you can push the dose. Definitely take the time to, to look that up. All right, let's talk a little bit about adverse drug reactions. And, and first, I wanted to start with boxed warnings. Uh, so there is two of them with lorazidone. So one is the generic uh, warning associated with antipsychotics and an increased risk of mortality uh, when used in elderly patients with dementia-related psychosis. Okay, So that boxed warning exists. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there's also the kind of broader generic warning of increased suicidal thoughts in pediatrics and young patients. Uh, so that's kind of similar to uh, SSRIs and other antidepressants there. Now, adverse drug reactions. So going through some of the most common adverse effects uh, with antipsychotics in general, so we've got weight gain. We've certainly mentioned the uh, movement type adverse effects. So those are the extrapyramidal symptoms or sometimes referred to as uh, EPS. Uh, hypotension is associated with antipsychotics. So drop in blood pressure, QTC prolongation, sedation, uh, and extremely rarely uh, neuroleptic malignant syndrome. So those are a few uh, of the, the big ones there. Um, prolactin levels can be elevated in patients due to antipsychotics. Uh, also, anticholinergic activity can be part of antipsychotics adverse effect profile. Now, why you would select lorazidone versus clozapine versus risperidone, the adverse effect profile plays a huge role as well as the evidence supporting the indication, what we're going to use it for. But the adverse effect profile plays a huge, huge role. Uh, and there's definitely some advantages and some potential disadvantages with lorazidone. So I'm going to run through some of the things that I think are really, really important from an adverse drug reaction standpoint. So anticholinergic activity with lorazidone is really low. So as patients age, uh, lorazidone tends to have lower anticholinergic activity, which is great. Um, that's definitely an, an advantage um, on its side compared to a drug like clozapine, and a second-generation antipsychotic like clozapine, for example. Uh, that has much, much higher anticholinergic activity. Uh, QTC prolongation. Uh, has not been shown to be uh, incredibly high with lorazidone. So that's a good thing as well. A uh, drug like ziprazidone has much greater association uh, with prolonging that QT interval. Uh, weight gain, where does lorazidone fall there? Uh, generally, it's on the lower end of risk of metabolic syndrome, weight gain. Uh, so that is a really, really uh, good thing there. Whereas a drug like olanzapine, clozapine, those are definitely on the higher end of the scale of potentially inducing diabetes and causing weight gain uh, and all, all those negative metabolic effects. 
Now, some antipsychotics have alpha-blocking activity, and they vary, uh, of course, based upon which drug you're, you're talking about. But lorazidone tends to be on the lower end of having alpha-blocking activity. So that means we've got a lower risk for dropping that blood pressure or hypotension versus a drug like clozapine that has a much higher risk of uh, alpha-blocking activity and risk for hypotension, that drop in, in blood pressure. Uh, prolactin risk with lorazidone is low. Uh, so compare that to, let's say, risperidone, which is much, much higher. Uh, so that's a potential uh, advantage in its favor. Uh, other adverse effects um, that, that might come up when comparing antipsychotics. So certainly the extrapyramidal symptoms, um, lorazidone is probably uh, in the uh, middle of the playing field there as far as antipsychotics in general. Uh, and then uh, sedation is another one that always comes up too. You want to clinically assess your patient. Are they already overly sedated? Are they, you know, could they use some sedation? Do they have a lot of trouble uh, with insomnia at night? Uh, and there again, lorazidone falls kind of in the middle of the pack. When we think of sedation, uh, I definitely think of quetiapine, uh, probably being one of the more sedating second generation um, antipsychotics there. But all these adverse effects uh, come into play when we're assessing patients, looking at what they're at risk for, whether it's QT prolongation, whether it's weight gain, whether it's you know anticholinergic burden. Um, all those factors should play into uh, deciding what antipsychotic we're going to use, as well as uh, we're certainly going to factor in what the appropriate indications are and what the best clinical evidence supporting uh, that indication is. So uh, those are definitely important factors in selecting which antipsychotic you want to use. Uh, one last, uh, sometimes uh, overriding factor uh, in selecting an antipsychotic is cost. And lorazidone at this time is still fairly expensive compared to a lot of the other antipsychotics that have been generic for a long, long time. So uh, cost definitely can be an issue uh, with lorazidone, which is a downside um, to the use of, of this medication, of course. All right, a few other, uh, one other clinical pearl that I definitely wanted to mention was administration. Okay, uh, According to the package insert, this drug is best given with food, and they specify 300, at least 350 calories. Okay, So basically, we're going to want to take this with a meal. And the reason being is that maximizes the absorption of the medication. So in patients that are not responding to this medication in clinical practice, that's definitely a good time to ask how they are taking the medication. Okay. Obviously, we're going to look at drug interactions and other things too, but asking about how they're administering the medication and if they're taking it with food can definitely help improve that absorption and potentially increase concentrations, which ultimately could lead to increased effectiveness of the medication. Uh, lastly, let's talk about uh, monitoring parameters before we get into drug interactions. 
So of course, we're going to monitor for metabolic syndrome, uh, blood glucose, lipids, things like that. Um, prolactin levels could be checked. That's probably going to be as uh, clinically relevant. So if a patient's you know, reporting sexual dysfunction, something like that, and we think it's from the lorazidone, you might consider doing a prolactin level there to see if that's uh, indeed what the cause is, something like that. Or if there's uh, using this medication in females and we've got, you know, inappropriate uh, changes in, in milk production, things like that, um, that's definitely a situation where we would potentially look at a prolactin level. Now, I would say in, in practice, you're not going to typically routinely check a prolactin level uh, unless there's issues. Then you might start digging into the uh, problem and, and go from there. And then vital signs, we're going to monitor, of course, um, blood pressure, you know, specifically there uh, to help monitor that therapy. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCMTMS, BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, the psychiatric exam, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Got a growing list of resources there, full complete packages uh, to allow you to prepare for your uh, exam appropriately. In addition, we've got NAPLEX content. So if you're a pharmacy student, uh, if you're a nursing student, med student, PA, nurse practitioner, uh, any of those folks, we've got great resources, clinical practice resources, case studies, drug interactions, food medication interactions, all sorts of books on Amazon uh, that can really help you throughout school and in your practice as well. They also make great gifts if you've got students with you uh, that are looking to uh, hone their skills in medication management. So again, all those links you can find at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, let's wrap up with drug interactions. CYP3A4 is important. So this drug is broken down to a significant extent by CYP3A4. So CYP3A4 inhibitors can increase concentrations. So classic example there being grapefruit juice. So that's definitely something you want to educate patients on to avoid. Uh, and then we've got CYP3A4 inducers, which could lower concentrations. So classic examples there, St. John's wort, uh, carbamazepine. And if you go back, I believe it was in the Simvastatin podcast or uh, maybe the statin podcast in general. I definitely talked about a few more uh, CYP3A4 inhibitors and inducers. Uh, I can refer you back uh, to that podcast if you want more examples there. Or you can simply do a quick Google search there as well. Uh, other interactions besides the CYP3A4 pathway are really going to be additive effects. So I think of um, metoclopramide, for example, has significant potential to cause uh, EPS. It has dopamine blocking activity, could definitely have additive effects onto lorazidone and increase that risk for extrapyramidal symptoms. Uh, another potential additive effect that I wanted to mention was CNS depressant activity. Remember I kind of said uh, lorazidone's in the middle of the pack as far as causing sedation uh, with second generation antipsychotics. 
So certainly adding on other medications that can cause sedation uh, can have additive effects. Classic examples being you know, benzodiazepines, uh, Z drugs like Zolpidem, uh, opioids. These are all meds that can really uh, cause CNS depression and have additive effects on lorazodone. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please take the time, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, share the podcast, reallifepharmacology.com with friends, colleagues, students, preceptors. Uh, help us grow the podcast and obviously help others learn about medication management as well. If you want to reach out to me, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Otherwise, you can track me down, mededucation101 at gmail.com. With that, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please support our sponsor, meded101.com slash store. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.